This podcast is sponsored by Hudson the Puppy. Hudson, for all your sitting, fetching, spinning, paw-giving, midnight barking and bottom-sniffing needs. What I want to know is, how does a puppy manage to afford to sponsor a podcast? And how does it even know what a podcast is? For that matter, what is a podcast? Uh, oh, never mind. All the tabletop role-play news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I, as always, am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ. And with me today is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ has ever absolutely delighted at the fantastic joy to be here. But, no, wait, who's that in the corner? Why? He's just thrown in from America, and boy, are his arms tired. It's that game developer extraordinaire, Chris Spivey. Uh, thank you for having me, and my arms are a little tired, but it could be worse. No, I don't like that joke. Sorry. It, it's true. It could, it could be worse. We could Worse things do happen at sea, because the same things that happen on land, but now you're wet as well. Sometimes. <laughs> Chris, Chris, coffee goes into your body. It shouldn't come out of your body through your nose. That's, that's not how coffee works. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so professional. The excitement on your face, Russ, is telling me so much about how this is going. <laughs> oh, hey, he, oh, don't be, don't be cruel, just, Russ. He, he can't just, help it. That's just how he looks. I'm just waiting for <laughs> Peter just to stumble his way through the introduction. <laughs> yes. Shall we do yes. some RPG news? Oh, I suppose we could. It does, does seem like it might be appropriate. Yes, <laughs> let's do some RPG news. Yeah. All right, then. How would you like some Dungeons & Dragons charity news? Would I ever? I don't know, would you? Yes, that's why I asked. Right. Try, try and focus. It's called, what we call a figure of speech for us. It's a good figure of speech. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, so Wizards of the Coast uh, have released a playable race for yes. D&D 5th Edition to help raise money for the Extra Life charity. Yes which is the charity they support every year, which uh, which is dealing with kids' hospitals over in the US. Yes. And the race that they have released is the Lokathar. 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 One of those. At this Pick, point, Carol had to edit out 90 minutes for us to say the same word. Pick your pronunciation, yeah. Fish people. Fish people. Yes, if I was to do one, I wouldn't have to work hard. No, not very hard. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, um, that sounds uh, like a worthy cause. Yes. Well, fish people, in case you're interested, get plus two strength, plus one dexterity, natural armor, uh, proficiency, athletics, and perception, advantage on saves versus charm, fright, and paralyzation, point stunned, or put to sleep, but must be submerged every four hours, or you suffocate. Every four hours. Every four hours. Is yes. it a long suffocation or sort of a short one? I'm guessing it's just like a drowning length suffocation. Well, 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 because well, suff- if, if it's a long one, one, you can finish the combat that you're in and then sort of cough your way <laughs> to a pond. <laughs> to or a puddle or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's generally like they've got constitution modifier rounds before they snuff it. So I'm guessing you don't see a lot of these guys in Dark Sun. <laughs> it seems unlikely that you see them on a desert planet. That's yeah. great. Unless they cut, unless he went with like sort of a, a Mad Max style thing, and they're like driving along in their sort of 
goldfish ball on wheels. Yeah, that sounds like an excellent idea. Well, if you want to pick up a a look at R, you need to grab the 39-page PDF adventure. It's called Locathar Rising, which includes the Locathar. I love just saying that word, Locathar. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. So you can pick up that PDF for $9.99, and all the profits go to Extra Life. So Uh even if you don't want the Locathar, still pick it up anyway, because it's a charity. And, of course, it does have the advantage of having a maritime adventure also in there. So yes, that's quite it has that too. Yeah. Uh, so Green Ronin have announced something new. It's called oh, yeah. Five and Infinity. Mm-hmm. You know Threefold, that um, official setting for modern age that they announced like three or four weeks ago, I think it was? Yes. Maybe a bit longer. So Five and Infinity mm-hmm. is a adventure book cited mm-hmm. for 2020. And it's coming, yeah, so it's coming out next year. Um, oh, so good. Green Running haven't said much as to what this adventure will complain, but they encourage us to think that Threefold is uh-huh. about the power of thought to steer history. And there are powerful factions, some with the PCs, some against the characters in Threefold, um, uh-huh. that operate across more than world reality. Um, five and Infinity, people are thinking, might be about five of those worlds. Right. But that's about all we know so far. They haven't released a lot of information. Okay. It vaguely reminds me of Amber in a sense, if they're going for like lots of different worlds that you can sort of travel through and influence with powers. Yeah. yeah. Amber, there's the one core world and lots of little shadow worlds after that. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, we'll have to wait and see what uh, Green Ronin come up with. Okay. Yeah. Ah. Uh, going back to charity, yeah. there was a hurricane in America. Oh, yes, yes. So um, I heard. Called Dorian, which was... Uh-huh. How long ago was that, Chris? Like, two or three weeks ago? A month ago? Something like that. It's it's horrible. Sorry, it's... Yeah. yeah. Um, well, there's a charity uh, bundle on drive to rpg to raise money for the uh, Red Cross's Hurricane Dorian relief efforts in the oh, U.S. Okay. and the Bahamas. Uh, and it cl- includes a whole load of stuff. It's got um, Steve Kenton's icons. It's got Jeff D's Mighty Protectors, Eric Bloats' Zombie Hack, a bunch of OSR and 5V releases, a whole bunch of Savage World stuff. So there's tons and tons and tons of stuff you can get there. Yeah. And uh, all the proceeds are going to the, the relief efforts. Fantastic. That sounds like a very worthy cause. It's so nice to see yeah. RPG gamers getting together to... Um like you know help people out yeah i mean we we, we had um we were talking about um a charity effort was it two weeks ago or was it last week uh, Harper's Tale. Week before last wasn't it was it two yeah. weeks ago yeah we were talking about Harper's we're, Tale. We're, just two we were talking about matt corley that's yeah, right yeah. yeah okay what else is there in the news then uh it's gonna be quite a quick news section i think actually this week uh-huh. the scarred lands creature collection now live on kickstarter Ooh, exciting uh, we kind of previewed it a couple of weeks ago. It's only got 12 days to go now. So um, it launched a, a few days ago. But it's got up to £30,000 in dollars. That is $37,000 of its $15,000 goal. So it's uh, it smashed that and is uh, shooting ahead. 730 backers. I'm definitely going to back it because it looks gorgeous and the artwork is fantastic. And you can never have too many monsters for D&D. Can you have too many it's monsters? True. You D&D? cannot have too many monsters. It's impossible. What do you think, Chris? Is it possible to have too many monsters in D&D? As a fan of the mythos, it is impossible to ever have too many monsters or great old ones. There we go. You're outvoted, well, I'm afraid. 
I, 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 I was pondering the concept <laughs> if it was possible. <laughs> I'm like, I think you can have two main monsters because they don't all fit on the table. Then you need a larger table. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, go on, get so on I've got, got some more news. We have the 1001 Nights role-playing game has been released. Excellent. By Space Orange 42. <laughs> I love I, RPG publisher names. I, I, I kid you not, an independent game publisher, um, as they're an Italian publisher. Okay. There we go. Um, so it's called uh, Shehirazadi. Shehirazade. I don't know, something Italian. Shehirazade, perhaps? Perhaps. But it's the 1001 Nights role-playing game written by Umberto Pignatelli, illustrated by Sarah Valentino. Two very Italian-sounding names there. And it's a rules-like role-playing game suited for a younger audience. The players are guided by a storyteller. They take the role of heroic princes, daring dervishes, and ghoul hunters who try to discover how to wake up Princess... um, Scheherazade? Yeah, that. From the enchanted sleep in which she fell during the 1000th night. It's a hard word to to pronounce properly, Chris. It is, which is why I'm not even going to try the Arabian Nights is a really good story it's like one of the first examples of a story within a story within a story so yeah Um, it's available as a full colour 170 page hardcover book it's available in PDF the hardcover will be released at um, Essen Spiel the big German convention in October I should look forward to that I keep trying to get myself an invitation to that but it hasn't happened yet I've never been to it myself. I think it might be too big for me. I think I'm... Right, anyway, more RPG yep. news. Huzzah! Robotech. Ooh, that's the one of the Saga role-playing game is now available for pre-order. Uh, classic um, science fiction anime epic yep. telling the tale of humans defending their homeworld against an alien invasion. Right, so um, I expect... Do, do we know anything about what <clears throat> games this one's using, or is it a re-release, or what's going on? Robotech and Request Saga, a role-playing game, 260 pages, full colour, with a brand new rule system, including a 50-page scenario section. Nice. They're doing it all in 210 pages? Uh, 260 pages. 260 pages. Well, 50-page scenario? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, allow, what, another 30, 40 for the setting? Doesn't sound like they've got a lot of rules in there. Don't know. Which could be a good thing. If you're a fan of robots and anime, I think this is probably the, the thing for you. Uh, yeah. first came to the United States from Japan in 1985, and everyone has transformable jet fighters known as Veritex, apparently. It was an 85-episode television series. Did any did of you guys see that when you were younger? Ever seen well, that in my life. You wow! You've never seen Robotech or Mosquita or the three different iterations of the show that they sort of combined into one show for the American audience. I may have a a passing familiarity with Robotech. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, <clears throat> so, Hold on, even, did it even show over here? Did we have that? What? 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 They, the, I think as I so Battle Mech, maybe or Battle Tech. Battle Tech, something else entirely. It is. It um, like so. It did air over here for um for all the episodes. Most of the episodes, at least in Alabama, aired out of order. 
so it was hard to keep up with. But there was equivalently three, we'll say, seasons of the show for Americans. You had one that was sort of following Rick Hunter and all the misadventures of the Baratex and Planes. And then you had a totally different series that became Robotech for us that was kind of their kids, sort of. Yeah. And then you have the last season that had the transformable motorcycles and you had following like a band of rebels fighting against the Invid on Earth. That's the two-minute version of it for you. I could give it a go, but 1980s cartoon TV series are kind of hard-going these days if if you don't already have a nostalgia for them. I would suggest watching the original versions and reading subtitles with them because it is yeah. so much better. The voice acting's better. The They actually play all the music instead of having uh-huh. one or two songs that they sort of recycle through. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, everyone. Rising yes. from the last war, uh, there are some previews up over on Fantasy Grounds. How exciting. You know, the virtual tabletop. Yeah. Um, so obviously they get a hold of these things way, way in advance so they can release the um, virtual tabletop module at the same time as the book comes out. Ah. And they've released a whole bunch of previews, which has um, snippets from the books, artwork, a map of the cosmology of Eberron, details about the artificer. Uh, a nice picture of an artificer, an artillerist as well, uh, an alchemist, uh, all sorts of all sorts of stuff. Totally worth checking out. This is all kind of very visual though, so I can't really, I can't describe it very well. It's not really podcast material, but I'll put a link in the show notes, and people can hop on over and have a look then. Oh yeah, yeah. Is this uh, Oh yeah, you got like a little, I guess, uh, halfling, tree male dwarf. Mm. Uh, got the traditional. I'm I must be playing steampunk goggles on her head, um, and she appears to be checking out something that looks, I guess, radioactive and has her own handheld blowtorch, like a glowing test tube. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't hit that with a blowtorch, not without wearing not without wearing safety goggles. That just looks unsafe to me. Well, she has she has got safety <laughs> goggles. No, they're not safety goggles. They're like uh, examination goggles, perhaps. But you're not going to get any eye protection off that, Russ. I mean, you know, you need like proper. Full face got like. They yeah, might be magic. Face. Oh yeah, that was it's right. D <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they've got like a a lovely little picture of it. Looks a bit like an air skiff, which is being attacked by uh, gnolls and well, counterattacked by. I guess that's a shifter over there jumping onto them. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Um, this, this, that looks like that should be quite pleasant to uh, play with, I think. Very, very strong art style. Well, sticking with the Eberron theme, there's yeah. also WizKids are announcing the official, or have announced the, the official um, miniature set. Okay. 44 miniatures. Uh, one of them being a large galleon stroke skyship type thing. Mm-hmm. One of them being the Lord of Blades. One of them being a blue dinosaur with what looks like saddlebags or a saddle on it, I think. Okay. And one looks like a lady with a lightsaber. I'm not sure. Fair enough. Or a flaming sword, maybe. But yeah. I think you're not allowed to call them lightsabers. I think you have to call them sunblades. Sunblade. That's what that probably is, yeah. 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 A sunblade. Totally different to a lightsaber. Yes, in many important respects. Yes. Yeah. It makes more of a... As opposed to a... Mm-hmm. Noise. <laughs> <laughs> Completely distinct in all respects. <laughs> yeah. Was it last week we were talking about how Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson, when they were filming Star Wars, 
they were actually making lightsaber sounds and they had to be told to stop. <laughs> they were doing the sword fighting. I don't see how that could possibly have worked. <laughs> I mean, you can tell them to stop all you like, but it ain't going to work. <laughs> and also, um, oh, what was the name? Uh, in The Last Jedi. Um, was it making the pew-pew sounds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She had to be told to stop making pew pew sounds when she was shooting her her blaster. Was this Daisy Ridley? Yeah. No, that was. No. Uh, I totally um, forgot her name. Who was in Jurassic Park as well? And uh, oh, completely. Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. She was making pew pew, and she's got all these Oscars, and she's got these <laughs> Emmys, and all these different awards and stuff. Uh, she's still making pew pew sounds when she's doing spacings don't simply break the habit of 30 years (laughs) just because you have a job yeah Yeah. anyway moving on monty cook games has released their new cypher system core rulebook um at no point in the marketing does it say cypher system second edition and you won't find that written down anywhere in the book either. Mm-hmm. However, the page on their web store where you can buy it has the uh, URL Cypher System Rulebook 2. Mm-hmm. And it is pretty much a sort of updated edition of the system. Um, Cypher System obviously being the multi-genre game which powers Numenera and that free Carnival Row, Carnival Row thing that was released a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's a D20, but you roll under the number... And if you exactly match a number that's equal to your focus, then you do extra well. It's yes. like, you know, it's pretty, pretty simple, pretty elegant. That's, so, yeah. that's the thing I believe. Uh, yeah. It's a 448-page rulebook. Wow. Uh, it's got the complete game rules. It's got extra rules for nine different genres. Yeah. Four character types, each customized to your setting. Um 50 descriptors, 90 foci, equipment, hundreds of ciphers and artifacts, and nearly 60 creatures and NPCs. Okay, so it's pretty pretty solid. It's got best three and a lot of world-building stuff built in there as well. That's a big old book, that. That's nearly as big as the uh, the Pathfinder core world book. How many pages well, was yeah. that? 500 and something, was it? Uh, 600 oh, okay. and odd, because it was like the length of the PHB and the DMG put together. But it's a big old beast, but yeah. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, Lone Wolf. We've got some bad news from Lone Wolf. Oh, aren't they? Hero Lab. Hero, yeah, Hero Lab. Lab, the character creation software. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had that oh, way back back in the early 2000s. Well, they're still going, kind of. Right. But okay. um, they've just laid off yes. a whole load of staff. Mm-hmm. They, they literally announced it. I think it was like yesterday or the day before they announced it. Today being Monday when we're recording. But amongst those people, and, you know, obviously there were five other people affected as well, but amongst those people was uh, LJ Stevens, mm-hmm. who um, took a job with them about 90 days ago. Oh. Lived in Seattle. Yes. Relocated across the U.S. Oof. And then yeah. got laid off. Ouch. But that's not the worst of it. Her husband, yeah. Owen yeah. Stevens... Yes. Quit his job at Peso oh. to join her. Yeah. And so now they both find themselves in a new place. Yeah. Out of work. Yeah. It's a really, really, really unfortunate thing. And, you know, I really feel for both of them. And, and, and of course, all the other people that have been affected. I mean, they're the two 
um, that, uh, that I know of, but I know there's, there's other people involved. Yeah, if you've got big layoffs coming, then I don't know, maybe not hiring people is the way to go. Yeah. Well, they said that um, they, they they say Lone Wolf is a is a business and it's a, a small company and they describe themselves as being akin to a family. Oh, uh, what they say yeah. is that over the last few years they've kind of like drifted away from that sort of fat small family kind of business sense and started yeah. expanding in various ways and they're doing sort of insufficient jobs at multiple tasks rather than doing a really good job on one task right right uh, and so what they're trying to do is dial back to be doing that so they've had to cancel realmworks which was their upcoming sort of big flagship product they were planning on launching right uh, hero lab is continuing yeah uh, realmworks realmworks which is their character management software and their whole campaign management suite that's that's you know, going up in a puff of smoke, right? Along with all these people that they laid off. Yeah, correctly. Yeah, it's not good news. No, it sounds like it'd be really tough for the Stevenses. Uh, yeah, that's um, that's going to be a hell of a thing to have moved and then quit your job and so forth. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Hard times, man. Yeah. All right. Well, the last bit of news. Yes. The very last bit of news is yes. my own bit of news. Your own bit of news. I released another one of my one-page adventures last week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this one is called Cult of the Rat God. Oh. And it's based on Honestly. an insider adventure uh-huh. uh, by Jacob Gopar. Uh-huh. And it's a twist on that old rats in the basement trope. Okay. Uh, but so you have to kill so, four yeah, of so them level up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, it involves an infestation of rats, a mad druid, and... Um, uh, a bunch of cultists led by that mad druid and a rat god, which is a, a giant rat that the druid has convinced the cultists is a rat god, which they're all, uh, all worshipping. Right. And it's all on one page, yeah. as these one-page adventures are designed for a single session of gaming. Yeah. And uh, you can get that over on Patreon. Ooh. Nice. For as little as a dollar. Oh, very nice. Uh, yeah, that's, that's it for the news this week. Yeah. Okay. And side of these, we've got any bits of news that I've I've missed. If people haven't seen it, they should definitely go out and back the new Root RPG by Magpie Games. It is Ooh. rocking the house on Kickstarter right now. But what's it up to now? When I last checked, it was about quarter of a million. Uh, it's over three hundred and thirty, I think, right now. <laughs> and they've still got a good twenty or twenty-five days, but people should get in and support early because it makes all the difference. That is gonna that is gonna beat the uh, half million for sure, isn't it? Yeah, I think we need Hopefully. to do a root watch really because uh, we we spotted it last week when it had been only open for like about three days, yeah. and it was like yeah, that's about a quarter mil sitting there. Because <laughs> yeah. these board game properties, like these board games, are so much bigger than RPGs. <clears throat> But no, this oh. is a... Yeah, I know it's the RPG yeah. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Well, shall we, shall we play our favourite game in all the world? Woohoo! Let's do it. Which one's I'm pausing and waiting for you to make your usual joke. Wait, 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 which one's our favourite game in all the world? That's it. That's the joke. It's not a very good one. It's <laughs> not a very good game. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> but 
it's the only one we have. Yes. And, it, and it's become familiar to us, if nothing else. Yes. Uh, Chris, do you remember the game? I can wing it. Uh, the game yeah, yeah. where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. I think I got it. I'm, right. I'm a natural at faking it. So <laughs> let's see what we got. That is exactly how it's played. <laughs> Because well, after all, I am a game master, and what else do I do other than make up rules exactly. on the fly? Exactly. Yeah. All right, let's start with you, Peter. You can go first, yes. and then yes. Chris can follow up. So, yes. what is yes. Wave Man? A really bad superhero. <laughs> <laughs> He's who you call when Aquaman is not taking your call. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wave Man, okay. Um... Well, I am going to ignore the superhero theme, because that's obviously bait. Um, it's not a comedy superhero RPG. Instead, what it's about is an exciting science fiction game um, where you're following someone who is able to take advantage of um, uh, their young sex experiments effects and transfer themselves from a particle into a wave um, at will. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Wrong, but interesting. Very, 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 very wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> wrong. Well, I'll start by telling you that Wave Man yes. is what the Japanese term running translates to. Oh. Um, as in a massless samurai. Yes. So, uh, uh, someone who flows around. So I guess it's set in, I don't know, medieval Japan sort of thing, yeah, and you're playing uh, Master Samurai. Huh. Yeah. Uh, tabletop RPG of Ronin, Ninja, Martial Arts, and Fantastic Creatures. Um, yeah. If you've read the works of Takashi Te- Matsuoka or James Clavel or are a fan of The Last Samurai or Ari- uh, Akira Kurosawa, um, then you are already familiar with the inspirations of the game. The Last Samurai and Akira Kurosawa being mentioned in the same sentence. That's, I don't know, I feel dirty now. The Last Samurai is the one with Tom Cruise? Yes. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that now. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't yeah. right, was it? <laughs> it was a film that I have watched. Yes. <laughs> uh, so this is a, it's just a, a simple D, uh, 2D6 system, and it's an expansion yeah. of the Tunnel Goons game by Nate Treem. The Tunnel Goons game, you say? Tunnel Goons, yes. They certainly got the way with names. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a core rule book, uh, and it ends on Sunday, October the 6th. Alrighty. Well, thank you very much. Right. Yeah. So I think you scored exactly zero points there. Woohoo! <laughs> I still think people should play my Waveman game. <laughs> but metahumanism cyberpunk, that's the way forwards. Okay. Well, Chris, it's your turn. Zero to beat. You can do it, Chris. This, this Kickstarter <laughs> by Richard Kelly is called Rod, Real, and Fist. <laughs> I will. I will keep my answer to be more of a PG-based answer. <laughs> yeah. Barely. I have barely. no idea what you mean. <laughs> Only because it's it's about ten in the morning here, so I'll keep it on. <laughs> Here, uh, let's go. It is a new. We'll say. Oh, let's. It's a new D8 tabletop fighting game set in the style of. Uh, let's go, Roddy Roddy Piper fighting the invisible serpent people taking over the earth. 
Ah. I totally play that game. (laughs) (laughs) What this is, is... Yes? I think I got a negative point. Look at his face. I I, I, I kid you not. This is a tabletop fishing RPG. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's, uh, that is exactly how it, uh, exactly how it describes itself. Um, embark on an expedition to save your village in this tabletop fishing RPG. It's an original system, core rulebook, and the players take on the roles of fishers attempting to save their village. It definitely needs an original system for the ah. first fishing RPG that I've ever heard of. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that is kind of ingenious, though. Yeah. It, it's, it's got a lot of novelty value going for it. That it has. That it has. You've got to catch fish. Right. And defend yourself against uh, hostile animals. Right. Until you where the fist comes in. Finally, face-to-face with the fish of legend. Ah, uh, the end boss fish. <laughs> yes, the boss fish, which I guess the fist comes into. I don't know. I guess you've got to punch it. I don't know. Give that fish a good fisting. Yeah, That's no, good. he wasn't going there. Oh, <laughs> I was carefully avoiding. Peter, that was the time. Achung, dive, dive, dive. (laughs) Okay, back to you then, Peter. Hey. Okay. You'll you'll like the name of this one. Oh, love it. Go on. You know how you like the name of uh, RPGs that contain the word punk? That's certainly something you could say about me. This one is by uh, Robert J. Schwab. Okay, yeah. yeah. From the... Uh, uh, Shadows of the Demon Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also from D&D 5th edition, I believe. Sure, why not? Yep. Uh, Punk Apocalyptic, it's called. Right. <laughs> one word. One word. There is no I, I... space between punk and apocalyptic. Punk apocalyptic. Mm. Punk apocalyptic. How many K's are there in that word? Zero K's. <coughs> oh no, one K in punk. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> there are no yes. K's in the apocalyptic part. Thank you for shaking your head, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. All right, yeah, so punk apocalyptic is... Oh, crikey. Um, well, I guess it's an attempt to make post-apocalyptic role-playing games more punk so how on earth would you do that it probably won't be powered by the apocalypse because robert troll can probably write his own system um so it might be based off shadows of the demon lord system and it's an adaptation of that to allow for post-apocalyptic uh games but with a more punk twist Ah, so how does one bring a punk aesthetic, a punk vibe to to the post-apocalyptic world? Um, Well, I guess what you're going to do is you're going to try and ignore uh, traditional themes and who your own furrow with different exciting forms of apocalypse. Pretty much. It is indeed Shadow of the Demon Lord, or the Demon Lord Engine, as the uh, system is called. Okay. Um, that's pretty much exactly what he said. The world has gone to hell. 
nearly everyone who's lived through it has gone mad. Yes. Uh, it's based on a miniatures game of the same name. Okay. Uh, and you and your friends assume the roles of mercenaries who roam the wasteland. Very Mad Maxi, I guess. Yeah. I'll give you 7 out of 10 for that. Woohoo! Pretty good score. Yes, and boy, this perfect. is the last one now. <laughs> and the last one is for Chris. Go, Chris. You can do it. With you. Woo! 7 <laughs> is the score to beat. Yeah, go, Chris. <laughs> what is Historia? Is that a 5E game that uses animals, I almost think dogs, as the primary protagonist? Well, I think you just scored a million points. Really? I like exactly to look good in your face now, Peter. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. That is exactly what it is. Alright. Uh, 5e sourcebook, a merciless world populated by anthropomorphic animal races. Alright. What's that? Um, Pugmire. Uh, Pugmire is a, another anthropomorphic. 5e game. Pugmire, Pugmire is oh. by the incredible Eddie Webb. Yes. Uh, I've actually played, he actually ran Marquis of Mouth for me over at UK Games Expo, so that was interesting. Yeah. Well, this is the, this is dark fantasy renaissance. Yes. And uh, unlike Pugmire, because I think Pugmire is quite uh, quite a feel good game, this feels a lot more a lot darker in tone. Uh, oh. It's a feral and precarious world, uh, a merciless land, stuff like that. So I don't so think this is. It's Pugmire, yeah. but grim dark. Grim dark Pugmire, I guess. Yeah, that's a, oh, yeah. that's a word. The actual the actual picture of it actually has a cat, not a, not a dog. Oh, a cat with a oh, hat. Yeah. With the little that's holes in the hat where its the ears are pointing up to. That's very Does the no, cat have, have boots? I don't know if the cat has boots because it cuts off about here. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Then. I assume thing. it probably does. Uh, what's it called? Historia RPG. Historia dark fantasy renaissance setting for five E. Okay. It's the full title. We'll just search for English results only because I don't need all this Spanish YouTube videos on history. You can play 50 different anthropomorphic animals, nine new classes designed to fit in a Renaissance setting, each with different archetypes. There's uh-huh. new types of magic, firearms rules, and historically accurate equipment. Okay. Huh. I have found Historia the Thulids, which is the outer... Is this Ride Manor Project Studios? Manor Project Studio, yes. Oh, okay. Looks like it's also an Italian game? Okay, well, yeah. Anyway, well, well then, Chris. Uh, well, it's only, got, it's only got four days to go. Yes. It finishes on Friday. So when right. this podcast goes out on Wednesday, it'll only have two days left to go. Yes. You, you will need to get in before Friday, the 4th of October, or you will not be able to back this Kickstarter. I love, I love the artwork on this. Yeah, it's got a certain Renaissance look, as far as I can see. Well, that's uh, quite good. So, uh, so the scores at the end of our favourite game in all the world. Uh, so Peter has seven points, and Chris Woo! has a million points. Hey. <laughs> Go, Peter! <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> a decisive victory. <laughs> Indeed, it's better than any of these like close fought ones. We had no, we had no time for mediocrity on this uh, podcast. At least not in this game. <laughs> Hello, I wish to register a complaint. 
We're closing for lunch. Never mind that, my young NPC. I wish to complain about this familiar, what I purchased not too long rest ago from this very boutique. Oh, that was your first mistake. What? Nothing, sir. Nothing. I bought this vampiric hell rat so I could set off those pesky dungeon traps without risking my own life and limb. Oh, yes. Yeah, so what a strategy, sir. What's, uh, what's wrong with it? I'll tell you what's wrong with it, my lad. He's dead. That's what's wrong with it. Nah, nah, nah. He's, uh, uh, he's resting. Look, peasant, I know a dead familiar when I see one, and I'm looking at one right now. Nah, 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 he's not dead. He's, uh, he's resting. Remarkable familiar, the vampiric hell rat, innit? Beautiful fangs. The fangs don't enter into it. He's stone dead. No, 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 no. He's resting. All right, then. If he's resting, I'll wake him up. Hello, Mr. Vampy Hellrat. I've got a lovely new trap for you to spring. There, he moved. No, he didn't. That was you hitting the cage. I never. Yes, you did. I never did nothing. Hello, Ratty! Testing, testing, testing. This is your dawn alarm call. Now that's what I call a dead familiar. No, no. He's stunned. Stunned? Yeah, you stunned him just as he was waking up. Vampiric hell rats stun easily, my lord. Uh, now look here, yeoman. I've definitely had enough of this. That familiar is definitely deceased. And when I purchased it not too long rest ago, you assured me its total lack of movement was due to it being tired and shagged out following a prolonged cheese-eating session. Well, he's, he's, uh, probably pining for the lower plains. Pining for the lower plains? What kind of talk is that? Look, why did he fall flat on his back the moment I got him back to my lair? The vampiric hell rat prefers keeping on its back. Remarkable familiar in it, Your Excellency. Lovely fangs. Look, I took the liberty of examining that familiar when I got home and I discovered the only reason it had been sitting on its log in the first place was that it had been nailed there. Well, of course it was nailed there. If I hadn't nailed that familiar down, it would have nuzzled to those bars, bent my part with its fangs, and vroom! 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 Mate, this rat wouldn't vroom if you put a 66 lightning bolt through it. He's pleading demised! No, no, he's pining. He's not pining. He's dead. This rat is no more. He has made his last roll. He's expired and gone to meet Asmodeus. His watch is over. Bereft of hit points, he rests in the abyss. If you hadn't nailed him to the log, he'd be goblin chow. His character sheet is now just waste paper. He's rolled a one. He's failed his save. He's set off his last trap, misplaced his healing potion, and joined the bleeding walking dead. He's fracking snuffed it. This is an ex-familiar. Well, I'd uh, better replace it then. Uh, sorry, Squire. I've had a look around the back of the shop and uh, we're right out of vampiric hell rats. I see. I see. Uh, I get the picture. I could do you a bell. Yeah, but I type in Haunted West into Google. It's yeah. the third thing down. First thing okay. is um, from helpfulholidays.co.uk. 
the most haunted places in the West Country. Yeah. The second place is thing is from nationaltrust.org.uk, our yeah. most haunted places in the UK. And then yeah. the third thing is Haunted West, a historically weird West RPG core book. Ah, well, for me, it's actually the second one down on my list. It's quite interesting. Like, what, 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 what happens when you Google it, Chris? Does it come up first well, for you? It comes up first for me because, remarkably enough, I've been looking at the yeah. Haunted West page. Yeah. You know, and... Oh, well done. Well, I, I, I haven't been looking at haunted houses in the West Country. <laughs> I don't know why that's come up first for me. Or yeah, got... so you say. Or so I say. I've got Haunted Western Supermare, which is... <laughs> Not a combination I that naturally comes to me. I gotta say. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Right. Shall we? Uh, shall we start talking about haunted um, houses in the West Country then? That's, Let's uh, do it. That yeah, is what yeah. your Kickstarter is about, isn't it, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, a, yeah. I'm actually an architect, and so one of the things I really wanted to do. Right. Ah. <laughs> How interesting. <laughs> Wait uh, a minute. <laughs> look at this. Kickstarter is. Just about to hit twenty thousand pounds. We see it in pounds rather than dollars. So it's okay. uh, nineteen thousand nine hundred and seventy-six. As I look at it now, that must be what about twenty-five thousand dollars for you? We're a little shy, about four hundred away yeah. from twenty-five. Which at twenty-four, though, they've unlocked a brand new stretch goal, which is an additional two thousand words to the alternate world setting, yes. the alternate timeline. You still have over a month to go. Wow. Uh, I decided to start. A little early. Originally, it was yeah. going to launch the first of October, but I'm like, I'm super excited about the the book. All yeah. the people have put in all this amazing work. I want to start talking about it more. And so we just jumped the gun at high noon on Friday and released mm. the Kickstarter. So this is the Wild West of America, obviously, not the West Country in the UK, which is something entirely different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is this is a historical fiction setting. Um, yep. In the sense that you've got lots of monsters and uh, I think dinosaurs and jetpacks and stuff like that going on. Uh-huh. I didn't specifically say dinosaurs and jetpacks, but I am now going to steal that idea. And there will be dinosaurs and jetpacks. You said specifically jetpacks. Uh, I did say jetpacks, uh, and then I said dinosaurs in a separate sentence. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there we but, go. Dinosaurs, dinosaurs wearing jetpacks. I'm looking forward to this game. Done. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> we <have> decided. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so we've got dinosaurs wearing jetpacks who are, what, hijacking trains and... <laughs> so the the book itself is a Weird West historical fiction spaghetti western action game. So I'm okay. taking a lot of the different genres of the West that people have seen, mm-hmm. and we're applying actual real-world history to it. So we're applying all the forgotten voices that have been left out of the Western tales yeah. to yeah. encompass everyone. And we're still going to tell all some of the, the other stories that were there, but we're shifting the focus on the, to the stories that haven't been told. And there's going to be an actual true history throughout the book. Then layered on top of that is a weird West setting. And layered on top of that is the alternate timeline. And people can apply whichever ones they want to. It's right. The purpose of it is to be very modular, to give you options and choices. Because for me, a lot of the Old West games that I saw for a long time was, this is your setting, these are the only rules you have to play, and you need all of this to play this game. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to be able to play a authentic Old West game with all the historical figures in place, where you're just as likely to die of dysentery, if not more so of dysentery, than a bullet. Or, <laughs> wow, you can have, 
Or you can have your yeah. jetpack-wearing dinos fighting yeah. your <laughs> your gadgeteers and gunslingers and everyone else. Mm. Uh, so your alternate history, you, you alter the assassination of Abraham Lincoln ever so slightly. I make it slightly, I make Booth's plan slightly more successful than it was in our known history. Because yeah. originally Booth's plan was to assassinate three people. <laughs> and so he managed to assassinate Lincoln. He wounded Stewart, but the person that was supposed to kill Johnson got drunk in a bar and got picked up by the police, Paris. which let Johnson, a former slave owner, get to the ascend to presidency and stop all pretty much fight against every change that Reconstruction was trying to put in place. Right. Oh, okay. So by removing him. That means all the Confederates that got back into Congress are no longer in Congress. The land that was supposed to have been given to all the enslaved people is actually given to them. The Freedmen's Bureau is actually properly funded, and it changes the entire course of American history. And yeah. by changing American history, you've impacted the rest of the world's history, how, how it yeah. interacts. And so that's our timeline, and we're telling it as an evolving story that we do. Ah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then how from does- that... How do the fantastical elements kind of fit in with with all that? It's they're part of the world. They're always just slightly out of view. And once you've encountered something in the weird, that sort of like broadens your horizon. You understand the world is deeper than even like the struggle that we're fighting up here. Mm-hmm. There's also the underground struggle of everything going on. And the game uh, itself is based on the concept of hope. But you can't have hope without struggle to get there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, I thought you just had it in so you could say, I've got a game with dinosaurs wearing jetpacks, and your problem is that there are black cowboys? Oh, okay, you do you. <laughs> I, I have had people that have, that have commented on something like that. Well, Not the dinos, I, but they're black I, cowboys, and that can't be real. Yeah, no, I've seen oh, that yeah, on Twitter. It's, uh... Yeah, so it's, it's like people are full of idiocy and stupidity and are, like, not... Not smart. It's like because uh, Scott Lynch had the a similar problem because he had like a black female pirate or something as uh, like in oh, his yeah, second I book. That. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and people were like, yeah. So so everything else is fine, but it's the fact that she's a lady that that is the bit that you're like having vision. So, yeah. history has proven that wrong in and of itself so many times, but yes, all those yeah, stories oh. are erased yeah, yeah. and their voices are lost. Yeah, and exactly. we're trying to amplify those voices. So, so, so these voices we're talking about is uh, is not just black people. It's also, I guess, uh, Native Americans and you know, a, a wide range of. We're amplifying well, yeah. all of the voices. We're amplifying yeah. all the um, the marginalized people that have come across. But we're also not losing some of the mm-hmm. colonial stories that are there that are part of the history too. Because to be able to tell an accurate, true history, you need to tell everyone's history yes sure yeah yeah absolutely everyone that worked that bled and that died to make the country what it is deserves to be recognized exactly so what sort of stories would i mean if we obviously there's the, there's a jetpack dinosaurs hijacking um confederate trains full of gold that's uh that's one side of it but what sort of stories would we be expecting to sort of see on the sort of forgotten voices side of the, of the coin well, part of the thing is, if you go, it depends on what kind of game you want to run. If you're running a strictly historical Old West game, then you can still tell any sort of Old West game story you want to. It's same yeah. thing if you add the pulp element to it, you can still tell any stories you want. If you're talking about if you want to run more of a specific Haunted West Reconstruction game, 
You could be ranging from anything from battling the weird. Possibly there's a feral vampire trying to take over town and you're defending the township. You could be trying to rob uh, Confederate trains of the gold to like give it back to the people. You could potentially be in the seats of the White House, well, not the White House, but in Congress, debating about legal rights and everything else. You could be defending your lands against uh, traitorous Southerners that are still trying to, like, wave their flag. Oh, yeah, yeah, like all the rebels, like, yeah. saying, yeah, we lost, we're not over it, that sort of thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Russell goes on today, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's, it's limitless storytelling, and yeah. that's one of the reasons I wanted it to be how it is. So, uh, You've got a whole load of people lined up to yeah. help. So it's quite a big team. I was just looking down at the, the list uh, towards the bottom there. Um, I think there's 15 of us. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. And it's a, it's a diverse team as well. Well, all, all these stories are not my stories to tell. Mm. And oh. so I can try to help someone else tell these stories and do what I can to help elevate other people. Mm. But uh-huh. these are all stories you need to get out, and it is... And it's on the onus of the designer and creator that's trying to make a product to find as many diverse people as you can to represent them and have their voices in at the start of the project and then move it forward. And I don't know of any other Old West game, and in fact, most games that have done that. I could be wrong, but I'm saying from what I've seen in my limited experience. You are thinking with the D100. So the game, the game system itself, I wanted something that would feel familiar to people and easy for new gamers to learn. But at the same yeah. time, we've added additional levels of complexity to keep old school gamers involved. And one of the easiest systems to learn is D100. It's, yeah, it's true. Yeah. You've got a skill of 60. I need to roll under a 60 on percentile dice. That is easy to, easy to get. And so we've added in degrees of success on top of that. Then we have something called a river, where more exceptional paragons, which are like our character classes, can bank their successes to use later on in the scenario when the chips are down. And the three different styles of play, we have a narrative style that's incredibly focused more on the storytelling aspect with minimal dice rolling. Then a more standard-esque style of play that'll be a mix of rolling, mix of storytelling, and what people normally play. And then we have a miniatures version that you could also play. So you have the old school, like, I've got my hex map. Uh, this gun goes for, like, this many hexes. My power does this. Um, things like that. And it's modular, so you can peel off different parts of the game that you don't want to use during your game. Mm, okay. There are things. Yeah, because, I mean, my, my, my major issue would be with the D100 system, so it says it is, is that you do tend to have a bit of a bias to failure. Like, cause it, it's it's like, a 60% chance of success is a 40% chance of failure, which is relatively high. Which we'll, we'll talk a little bit, I guess, about some of the mechanics. But one of the things that we have is that we have grit points. And grit in the game lets you do things. And it's somewhat linked to your Western code. If you were, for instance, in an encounter where you really needed to do something, and it followed along your Western code. For instance, I think we have, it's called worldly and supernatural. Uh, sorry, yeah. worldly and suspicious. And oh. if you're more worldly, and if you did something that, if you really need to succeed on convincing someone that you are more suspicious of something, you could spin yeah. a grit point, move your worldliness closer to the superstitious side, mm-hmm. which influences how people interact with you, and you could flip that die roll. Okay. So, for instance, you need a 60 oh. and you rolled a 75. Yes. If you let, if you went into your more suspicious side of yourself and be changing some of your own perspective and point of view of the world, your seventy-five would become a fifty-seven. Yep, and you'd succeed, yeah. but your worldliness mm-hmm. shifts somewhat more to being suspicious. 
Right. Okay. And you have a limited number of grit points, and you earn grit points back in the game through different role-playing things. So we counterbalance some of the inherent issues with D100 by doing things like that and reinforcing role-playing every character because role-playing is incredibly important to us. Well, so yeah, you absolutely. had some kind of different modes there, which, uh, depending on how sort of storytelly or how kind of gritty you wanted to go, because one end there was a grid-based miniatures system, and at the other end it's very storytelly. Can you talk yes. a bit about how that, how that works? Uh, that goes back to the modular level of play. If you wanted yeah. something that was more narrative-focused, we have it minimized, so there's hardly any rolling in it, and it's more of sort of a, stor- a mutual storytelling experience. Yeah. If you wanted to add on the miniatures aspect of it, you would have your you'd have your maps, and then combats and everything would boil down to being a map based thing. You like, for instance, we'll even go with an old D and D model where you might be able to move six hexes, and so you can move your six hexes. Then you take your actions. It could be something like um, <laughs> using using hoodoo to have something happen, mm. or it could be like quick drawing and trying to shoot someone down. One of the other big things for us as a core team that I wanted to stress was that social conflict needs to be just as important as physical conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you've seen any of the old West movies, you have people talking down other people until they basically acquiesce and say, you're right, I'm wrong, and they sort of scamper out of the saloon with no one ever having drawn away. Yeah, they, they, there's a lot of staring down, isn't there, and gritted teeth mm-hmm. and narrowing of eyes and all this sort of stuff that goes on in a, in a, in a world mm-hmm. wrestling. And so we have that in there, and we also have a specialized dueling rules for when you're called out to get out on the street. Just oh, you, yeah. just two of you staring each other down. <laughs> oh, oh. You know, if anyone, oh, ever, if anyone ever challenged me to a duel, I would just run the other way as well. Then again, with those, with those World West weapons, I don't think you have to be more than about six feet away, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's there's game accuracy and then there's historical accuracy. Yeah, yeah. So you can figure out which one you want to use. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, this this looks like it's going to be a very um, well funded Kickstarter because you've just got to start off. <laughs> Not wood indeed. Well, you you definitely you're definitely funded. So, um, do you want to talk us through the pledge levels? Sure. All the different pledge levels are different historical figures from different backgrounds, and okay. we've got the first is a $20 level, which is get you the digital core book and an Old West cocktail recipe and yep. the usual purchase add-ons and everything else. One of the things that I sort of wove into the campaign was Old West cocktail recipes because I am a huge... Anyone that's met me knows that I, I like a good whiskey or scotch. But at the same time... You're an old was... man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll get the coat. Anyone would know that whiskey and beer back then was incredibly important. You'd be more inclined oh, to have yeah. a whiskey than you would water because it would be cleaner and safer yeah. for you to drink. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to have that element involved in everything. Um, after that, we go to the $40 level. That gives you everything above, and you can get all the digital stretch, stretch goals, which we're hoping way, more and more than Just reading these pledge levels educates you. As, as you read them, because you've got, yeah. it's just really clever, because you've got to read the pledge levels to decide what you're going to back. So you, uh, yeah, like, uh, uh, you're the legendary lawman that uh, countless children never knew was the inspiration behind the Lone Ranger, for example. You've just got a little snippet of, little snippet of history in each one. Oh, yeah, so that's a three each level, yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I'm purposely not saying the name, so if people come and look at them, they'll have to read them and see without me giving anything away. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, So, yeah, at Bass Reeves, you actually get the core book, and from there it keeps going. 
well, we don't have that many more levels, actually. So yeah. 75 gets you the core book and the digital stretch goals and mission everything mm-hmm. else. The one that we really hope a lot of people back will be the $100 level, mm-hmm. which yesterday right. we expanded a little bit. But it's the buy one and we give one to a marginalized gamer somewhere mm-hmm. that probably could, that couldn't possibly afford to buy the book. That's a great We're going to donate a copy to them. That's sort of like what uh, they were doing with Harper's Tale, wasn't it? You could, uh, yeah. you could. There was a pledge level where you could what, buy one what, for yourself you and buy one for a kid. Uh, yes, needed a copy. Yeah, and that's like really, it. really important to us. That gets you everything listed above. And yesterday, to help sort of incentivize people for anyone that hasn't bought it yet, I've included a free digital copy of Harlem Unbound First Edition. Oh, if you buy that level, so you get all of that plus a first edition Harlem Unbound digital conversion. Mm. Nice. Talking of Harlem Unbound, hmm. when is when is that second edition appearing? Um, it <laughs> is in Chaosium's hands. Yeah, it's written now. Is it? Is it completely? Yes. Yeah, it's completely written. Oh. I've sent back my thoughts on the new finalized version. We've had to make a number of changes to have it adhere more to the Chaosium house style hmm. than what the first edition was, which was just sort of me saying this is exactly what I want. We have a new version that's somewhat closer to what Chaosium does with still some of our swagger from the first book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we've expanded out the scenarios. I think there's seven scenarios in the new Harlem Bound compared to the four that's in the original. Mm. But I've actually pulled out one of the original scenarios and replaced it with a different one in second edition. Hopefully you'll get another any for the same book. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Sorry, knocking on wood again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the three hundred dollar level gets you everything listed above, pretty much, and you, you also get. I'll run a game at Gen Con for you. I'm gonna try to set up two different sessions, up to five players, mm. and there's a limited number of those. There's only ten because there's only so much of me at Gen Con. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's only so much Chris to go around. Yeah. <laughs> Then we've got the $1,000 level that gets you the core book, the buy one, give one, digital core, stretch goals, multiple recipes, and I will travel up to 200 miles, I think, to run a game for you. Sorry, 100 miles to run a game for you. 100 miles. It's not quite going to get you here, then, is it? No. And, (laughs) no. But I do like, I've been wanting to go to the UK for a while. I haven't been there yet, other than the airport when I was traveling, uh, Somewhere what you else. need to do is try and get yourself invited to UK Games Expo or something like that. That's the way to if, do it. If you two put in a word for me, they might invite me over. I don't know if they listen to us, but I give it a try. <laughs> well, we've had John Bod on. We can talk, talk to him and see if, he want, if, he, if he's interested. Yeah. yeah. See? And uh, the last one's 2500 It gets you everything listed above, and I'll even write a custom scenario for you up to 8,000 words. Excellent. How exciting. Peter looks intrigued. Yeah. I agree. So, so did we get to define any of this scenario? Or was it completely, completely? Uh, I would at two thousand five hundred. I would allow you to give me some input before I started writing. Okay. Right now, I actually have one backer at that level. Yeah. Nice. I never. You know, you, you you always get these kickstarters with these like two and a half grand or five grand backer levels, and I just think, God, some people are just. <laughs> <laughs> so, some people. Some people are like really really like art oh, it's, it's fantastic these people are there it really is they want, you know, I, I wish there were more of them yeah well you know <laughs> I wish I wish I was one of them quite frankly <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, absolutely <laughs> and we uh, put 
put some great swag out too. One of the things that I'm really proud of is that we made a war bag for it, which is a custom suede bag, and we're working with campaign coins oh, yeah. to yeah. make us the grit a grit coin for to represent the grit yeah. tokens in the game. It's uh, going to be a brass coin with like a gunslinger image in the front, right. and the one that I am incredibly pleased with is going to be our weird worst ah, weird west alien compass. It's going to be solid. It's going to be hefty. You can hold it in your hand. It'll on the table. Oh. Yes. Ooh. Well, an actual metal compass. So there will not, it will not work as a compass, but you'll oh, have all the cardinal directions and everything else. Right. What's your sort of time scales that you're planning on working to? So a lot of the book is already done. We're still doing playtesting because nice. I want it to be as perfect as possible. And after the, we have a release date, I think, of January 2020 for the core book out to people. The actual scenarios themselves, as additional stretch goals, would hit later in the year. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not going to promise the scenarios when the book comes out, because that would be unrealistic. But they'll hit yeah, yeah. later in the year, in 2020. But you're not going to hold off on delivering the book? No, no the book it. is the most important thing to get out yeah, to people. Because yeah. that's what they backed, the primary thing they backed for was the book. And I want to make yeah. sure the book is beautiful, tight as we can make it and yeah. then release it as soon as we can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I am a big fan of life path systems. Uh-huh. My own game uses a life path system. I love the one in Traveller. Um, and I am right now looking at your character sheet. And on the right-hand side, it says life path. And then below that, it says lineage, humble beginnings, adolescence, apprenticeship. Uh, it's a bit low res. that. Weird lived experiences and family. Yes. Can you talk uh, about how your life path system works? We are massive fans of, of life paths and milestones in general because they greatly help people get more invested in the character. It helps yeah. you come up with more ideas and create a more detailed backstory. Re entirely. The character sheet is actually two pages, and we just gave a front page mock-up of it. And we actually have a few more points in the life path system that we didn't list here. Okay. This is sort of the V4 version of the character sheet, and yeah. we're on the V5 or 6 right now. Yes. Okay. Uh, so how it works is we start pretty much with your parents, and that sort of dictates your lineage where you came from, and then there's different modifiers for that, and then we progress through your life up until you start adventuring. Yeah. And one of the things that we have also that's not on here is an and beyond, which for every three to five years you want your character to be older, you'd still roll on that chart, and these are additional things that happened to you before you began the game. Oh, Okay. Nice, yeah, I nice. love it. I absolutely love that sort of system. Mm. It, it, it definitely helps with immersion. It uh, does. Although, I like the way you, you start the game and you've got an uh, already written character backstory. Yep. Mm. Right there on your character sheet as part of your part of the mechanics of creating your character. I love that. Because yeah. role-playing and living the role and being part of the character is incredibly important to me because yeah. that's how you engage more with the history that's going to be there. Mm-hmm. And that's why when you're... If you're fighting against, we'll say, the jetpack-warring dinosaur, yeah. you're going to want your character that has to get back to the ranch to mm-hmm. help Bass Reeves do this thing before yeah. like this outlaw escapes mm-hmm. is in- reinforcing all that to you, and it's worked hand-in-hand. Mm-hmm. So these historical figures you've got listed, I mean, you said you didn't want to say the names out loud because you wanted people to see them on the Kickstarter page. I uh, gave you batteries for free. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, people can hop on over to the page and I'll see them right there and then pick one. Pick the 100. I reckon that's the best one to go for. Um, but um, have, you, have you got stats for those 
historical characters in the game? Well, if you want to scroll down, since we're just going to talk about merch now, uh, I have historical figure cards. Oh, okay. Is one of the things you can get. And the card itself oh, have, found it. yep. found will it. have the person on the back with their name and everything else on the other side are going to be stats that the narrator, because we have narrators for the game because we're telling stories, mm. can run that character with. Oh. I just... Uh, I've just been caught by that picture of uh, you've got the character sheet and you've got the, the glass and the hat. It's such. Did you take that picture yourself? Yes. That is such a perfect picture. For, you know, some, sometimes I have trouble getting pictures of, like, I want to put on a Kickstarter page or for, or for promotion, trying to find a, a good way to photograph these books and you end up piling up some books and you end up... But that is just so perfectly framed with the glass and the hat and the character sheet. I love it. That oh. is cute. Yes. Oh, that is nice. Oh. And that's actually the V3 character sheet, and I think the V4 character sheet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're big fans of character sheets, as you know, Chris, so uh, uh, ease of use will be something that we'll be uh, definitely taking a look at. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, yeah. I would suggest taking a gander at the video, but mm. I may be biased. <laughs> no, I've, I've watched the video. I have watched the video. I've seen you dressed up as a cowboy. Standing oh, in front of a fence. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 there you go. Haunted West, the historical Weird West RPG core book. You too can see Chris Spivey dressed up as a cowboy. You should get on that. <laughs> <laughs> the oh, question yeah. is, when you when you run the game, do you dress as a cowboy? I have been known to at least wear the hat. Just the hat. Oh, get in. So, so, so this future, any winning game... Just see how many times you can make Chris knock on his desk. Knock on his desk. I've got a glass table here. I'm I'm just out of luck if I need to. I'm. Oh no, I'm safe. We're really proud of it. What and what we're trying to do. Absolutely, he does. It looks it looks utterly fantastic. Obviously, getting things posted to Jolly Old UK from the US of A is not something that I want to do because like I don't know, I like having money and <laughs> I don't want the US Postal Service to have it all. So um what you've got what a drive through RPG? So with Harlem Unbound I learned yeah. a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm applying a lot of that stuff that I learned. I even made myself sort of an after action report after Harlem Unbound of oh, okay. this worked well, this didn't work well. We right. should definitely not do this again. Uh, <laughs> this was great. And Sorry. one of those was shipping. Because yeah. yeah. shipping to some places, the book, the shipping costs more than the book did. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so for some, when I could, I tried to take as much of that hit as I could myself, mm-hmm. not to impact other people. Mm-hmm. And this time around, we're going to have an offset print version for the U.S. And we're going to have a drive-through version for all of the backers overseas. Yeah, that makes which sense. should vastly cut down on shipping cost. Yeah. Yeah. If someone so they, overseas wants to purchase an offset book, they can, but they are then they're making the investment in the shipping cost to have it set. Yeah. 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 No, I mean they've got Drive-Thru's got a print center in the UK, I think. And is there one down towards Australia as well? I think, I think so. I would have to double check my notes. Yeah, I would have to as well. I think there is one down that way though. Which even just not coming from the U.S. drastically drops the cost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so three three Ennies next year. Yeah. 
<laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> no pressure. But, you, but of course, you won't win the Diana Jones Award because that will go to the uh, the concept of actual play. <laughs> oh, very good. But yeah, well, Chris, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on again. I really do hope you win Ennies again next year, and I hope you win the Diana Jones Award. Yeah. And I hope you win all the other awards too. <laughs> I've I knocked on my desk three times in a row for you for that. Well, the idea is I'm going to oh. get you knocking your desk so many times it's going to start hurting to knock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see it's uh, the attempt to stop the darker hue, bold spanning BM off in its tracks. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do appreciate you having me on. And let me talk a little bit about the book in the uh, Kickstarter. Th- yes, thank you so much. It is a real pleasure having you on. And uh, best of luck with the Kickstarter. You don't need any luck. It's doing really well. It's going to do even better. But best of luck uh, with the Kickstarter. Uh, and I'll be, I'll be backing it imminently. <laughs> Not at the 2,500 level. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? For you, if you back the 2,500 level, I will fly over and hand over your book. Oh. Actually, actually, Peter, when are you going to lend me two and a half grand? <laughs> no, that doesn't seem like something. <laughs> Don't you owe me two and a half grand? No, that's definitely not something. <laughs> I've been meaning to talk to you about the concept of back pay. Anyway, thanks so much for coming on, and I'm sure we'll have you on again in the future. Yes. Probably to talk about probably to talk about your Ennies wins next year. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't knock that time. That... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it guys. Thank you very much. Right. And everyone, please go back Haunted West now, tomorrow, and every day till we stop the Kickstarter. Yes, absolutely. Do do that. One hundred percent. Alright. Goodbye everybody. Until next week when uh, Peter is going to be away because he is off in the deepest, darkest depths of Peru, seeking out marmalade sandwiches and talking bears. Uh, So in his place, uh, Shane Stacks will be joining me for two weeks to co-host. Next week we'll be talking about his book about the history of computer role-playing games. And the week after, we've got the folks from the uh, the Scarred Lands uh, oh. monster book. We'll be popping along. John Hodgson will be coming along to tell us all about that. And then, unfortunately, Peter will be returning the week after. Yeah. <laughs> 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 At which point we're doing, I think that's the week we're doing Descent into Avernus, isn't it? Yes, we'll be talking about um, the jolly little sortie to hell as planned by D&D's latest. And then after that, we shall be starting to look towards the end of October and what it is that uh, people will be doing uh, for Halloween. 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 Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. 
Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, that's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.